Okay, welcome to TNT Sports Talk. Today is Thursday, March 29th. As always, we are presented by D's Home Cuts. And I am your host, Travis Karczewski. I'm with my co-host here, Truman Karczewski. How's it going, everyone? And today we have a special guest in studio, notorious Chicago sports fan, uh, Brian Leonard. It's great to be here. Yeah, we're going to get into that a little bit. Obviously, you know, Chicago sports versus our Packer lineage, it doesn't really mix well, but... We'll we'll make it work here. And we'll well first we're gonna get into probably the biggest storyline this weekend, which is the March Madness, you know, the final four in San Antonio. First time since twenty fourteen we've had not had an ACC team in here. But we got the first game we're gonna talk about right now is Loyola Chicago versus Michigan. I know Brian has a little information about Loyola because he is from Chicago. Yeah, so uh, Loyola of Chicago has about 10,000 kids, and it is very expensive to go there. It's nearly $60,000 a year. And also, their campus is right off of Lake Michigan. And also, for everyone's information, Chicago's going crazy over Loyola right now. So everyone's nuts. Yeah, yeah you kind of see Loyola's kind of stepped in as, you know, America's team. Um, Chicago... <laughs> Chicago, it's you know, it's not my favorite city in the world, not my favorite sports city. Um, you know, so usually I wouldn't pull for a team from there, but it's it's so hard not to. Um, they're just so cool. You know, it's 11 seed in the Final Four, which you don't see every year. Um, and you know, just they've kind of just taken over, and everyone's kind of rooting for them right now. It's it's hard to pull against them, obviously, unless you're a Michigan fan or anybody else in the Final Four. But it would be cool to see them um, continue their run. Yeah, they've, they've, like Truman said, they're America's team. They've kind of stolen, you know, everybody's heart, even the casual fans. You know, Sister Jean is a great, you know, figure for this game. But, you know, they're the only four, they're the only the fourth 11 seed to ever make the final four. I don't think, you know, even as Cinderella as they are, I don't think they're a pushover Cinderella team who's just gotten by off of miracles like people think. This is a good team, you know. They beat Florida in December. They've won all year. They've won 32 straight games. This is a good team. I don't think you can count these guys out really ever. Even though Michigan is probably the toughest team they they will play this whole year so far, I don't think you can count them out. You know, they're they're a top 20 ranked defensive team in Division One basketball. They have five guys averaging double figures with Clayton Cluster leading them with 13.2 points. This is a good team, and I don't think people can count these guys out. Yeah, I, I think Loyola, you know, they're, they're undisputed. They can shoot the lights out of the building. Um, they start pretty much four guards. They have one player who's over 6'6". Six, six, um, he's 6'9". So they don't have much size, but they're, they're one of the best um, three-point shooting teams in the country all year long, not just in the tournament. Um, but I think when you look at this game, it's going to be tough for them to overcome, you know, the size and the, the how Michigan can spread it out with Maritz Wagner, um, especially... But you look at Loyola, um, they're just they're just not they haven't won a game that's they've been so impressive. Uh, they had they've won all their games, you know, it seems on some deep lucky three, um, which I'm not I'm not disputing that they've they've gotten lucky, but they could have easily been out first round. Um, and I just think it's hard. Michigan's gonna be the best team they've seen all season, and just with the lack of length and uh, experience, I think Michigan um, is gonna ha- is gonna is gonna be good Saturday night. Yeah, like he said, they've won on a lot of just last second, you know, threes. Just seems like 
a luck. And I don't think it is just luck, though. This team is very talented. One of the things that they have that the other three teams don't is chemistry. This team is full of players who have been playing with each other you know, for a long time. One of the coolest stories is Clayton Cluster, like I said, their leading scorer, and Ben Richardson, who had put in 23 points versus Kansas State. They've been best friends since third grade. You know, they went to high school together. Clayton went to went to Iowa State, but you know, Ben Richardson convinced him to transfer to Loyola, and they they room together now. And this is just a team full of guys who aren't just one and done, aren't just gonna go there for one or two years, then go to the NBA because they really they have no other option other than to stay there all four years and put in their work and just really mold together and become you know, a group of guys who have unbelievable chemistry. And I think that's something that stands them out from the other teams like Villanova, Michigan and uh, Kansas. So I think that really gives them the advantage there. Next game, I mean, next team we're going to talk about a little bit more is Michigan. You know, obviously Loyola's opponent, a solid team who's gotten, uh, who's gotten, you know, a lot of attention as of late. They've really caught fire here. You know, they won the Big Ten. They're a good team. And one of their, their emotional leader right now, like Truman said, is Wagner. You know, the 6'11", 245-pound center from Berlin. He's a cool story because Beeline traveled 4,200 miles to Berlin to visit him. He wasn't recruited by any other colleges other than Michigan. And now he's kind of that emotional leader. He's a highly touted draft prospect. And he's one of the best players in the country. And I think he's going to match up well with Loyola. Yeah, you, you spoke on him. The way that... The the part of his game that's so impressive is, yeah, he's a big man. He can rebound and do everything that, you know, a normal big man can do. But he can spread the floor. Um, he can shoot the three. He can shoot the lights out of the building. He can, anywhere on the, anywhere on the floor, he can shoot from. Um, and I think that touches in. You know, he reminds me a little bit of Frank Kaminsky when Wisconsin was making the Final Four in back-to-back years. You know, he's just, he's just one of those big men that can spread the floor. And Viola's going to have a tough time guarding him because they just don't have that size. They, you know, I said they they start four guards and only one player is over six six. I think I think Wagner, if Michigan wants to win this game, he's gonna have to have a huge night, and I think he will. Yeah, like I mentioned, what uh, Michigan lacks in you know chemistry that Loyola has, I think they make up for in experience. This is Beeline's eighth Final Four. You know, this is a team that's had deep runs in the tournament before, and I think they can really make a run and. Even they have a shot at winning this national title, even though all four teams do. You know they got three players who are scoring double digits right now. They're the eighth ranked defense in the country. You know they're one of the better teams in the country, and they've proven that to this point. So the next game we got is probably the biggest game of the tournament so far: Villanova versus Kansas. I know Kansas versus Duke was a great game, but this is really you know two number one seeds going at it, and Villanova has really established themselves as the favorite to win this entire thing from the entire year, you know. This is their second Final Four in three games. They've scored, they've won 134 games in the past four years, which is now the record in Division One. You know, 2016, they beat Kansas to win their championship, so I think Kansas is looking to avenge that a little bit. But they have Jalen Brunson. I think that's all we have to say. He is the best player, I think, in the country. I watched the game versus West Virginia. And they were down a little bit, and Jalen Brunson just kept them in there, shooting those threes over and over and over again. And they ended up winning by 10. This is a team who hasn't really faced a lot. You know, they just keep winning. They they win how they beat the teams they're supposed to, and they haven't really had a great team to play them yet. Yeah, you spoke on that. And Kansas will be the best team that they play all year by far. Uh, this is this is really a game that's strength on strength. 
They're both two offensive-minded teams that just can shoot the lights out of the ball. Villanova's had 80-plus points in six of their last eight games, but then you look at Kansas, they've had 80 points in six of their last seven games. So it's really offense on offense. While they're both two very good teams and they have, they have good defense, um, uh, you just you just got to look at this game and the, the star power that both teams have. It's, it's going to be a very interesting game to watch. I think one player that kind of goes underrated um, is Malik Newman for Kansas. Um, he had 32 against Duke, and people kind of said that, you know, that was his coming out party, but um, it goes underrated that he had 24, he averaged 24 points in the Big Ten tournament. Um, he's a sharpshooter from three, um, and he's he's really a cool story. Yeah, like Truman touched on a little bit, he is probably one of the biggest storylines of this team this entire year. You know, February 10th, people kind of say is the date that Kansas took that step. That was when uh, Bill Self decided to bench Malik Newman in favor of a freshman. You know, before February 10th, he was only averaging about 10 points per game. He only was shooting 36 points, 36% from the three-point line. But when he got benched, when Bill Self kind of humbled him, took a step back, he went off. He took that as kind of a sign that he really needed to step his game up. And since February 10th, he's averaged 18 points per game. He's hit 53% from the three-point line. And Truman touched on it a little bit. You know, he had 32 points versus Duke. He's a solid three-point shooter. But something that can't be overlooked is his defense. He's really probably one of the best defensive players in this tournament. And he's shown that he can be a great player. But one thing, you know, but Malik Newman is probably one of their best players. Their best player is Devontae Graham. He is probably running up right now with Brunson for the Wooden Award. I think Brunson wins it. But Devontae Graham has been their most consistent player this entire year. You know, Kansas has a lot of offensive firepower, and I think that's going to be a lot to ask Nova to stop. Yeah, I, like I said, this is just Villanova. They haven't seen a team like Kansas. Um, you know, I, n- not discrediting Villanova at all. They're a great team. And re- to this point, to the Final Four, they've been the best team in the country. Um, so far, and I, it's it's going to be a great game. I, I just can't wait to watch it. Yeah, it's it's. Uh, I think it's eight four eight fifty on Saturday night, and it's just everyone's going to be tuning in to watch that. So we wanted to give we we touched on every single team. We wanted to give our predictions. Uh, we'll let Brian start it off for his predictions for this tournament. All right, so I have Loyola and Villanova in the finals, and I think that Loyola is just going to continue to ride their their magical season, their magical run, but I think it's going to stop with Villanova. I think Villanova's going to be Villanova. All right, so Brian's going with Villanova. Truman? Um, I think Kansas is going to pull the minor upset um, Saturday night, uh, even though I, I think it's not really a game that you can call one team the favorite. Yeah, one seed um, versus one seed. Yeah, I, I think Kansas will take Villanova down in kind of a little bit of a shock, and then I think... Loyola's run unfortunately ends at Michigan, and I think it'll be Kansas versus Michigan in the national championship, and I think uh, Kansas will end up pulling that one out. Well, I'm riding with my friend Brian here. I think Loyola beats Michigan in that game Saturday night. I think the Sister Jean Magic keeps working it, and I think Loyola beats Michigan. Uh, I'm going to go with Truman, though. I think Kansas does overcome Villanova. I think Villanova is a great team, but I think Kansas just has too much offensive firepower. And then I think the magic of Sister Jean runs out in the national championship game, and I think Kansas captures that that championship that Bill Self has been chasing for a long time. Uh, So now we're going to move on to a little bit of NBA talk. Uh, Something that came out yesterday was Isaiah Thomas. He's undergoing a season-ending hip surgery, 
And we just kind of want to discuss, you know, how did a guy, you know, last year who was an MVP candidate fall so far and so fast? Yeah, I, I think you look at Isaiah Thomas and people last season, you know, it was an incredible year. He was a cool story. Uh, everything in the playoffs that went on, unfortunately, with his sister and stuff like that. You know, it was awesome to hear. It was awesome to see. Um and, you know, he had a, such a great season for the Celtics. And I, I think one thing that happened to him is, you know, he, he got out of the, um, you know, Brad Stevens system. You know, Brad Stevens, in my opinion, he's the best coach in the NBA, uh, probably next to Greg Popovich. You know, he's what he's able to do to players and just um, the young talent that he has is, is just unbelievable. And I think Isaiah Thomas was kind of a part of that. You know, he was in a system that he could really um, flourish in. And, you know, he became, you know, that point guard, that quarterback, that offense. And, um I just thought leaving that system just hurt him. And obviously the hip injury did not help him at all. You know, injuries don't help any players. But I think, you know, that's one thing that just kind of set him back a little bit. In a new system with the Cavs, you know, he had to come back, come back midseason and just make his way in with a bunch of new players. Um, and, you know, one thing that's hard is, you know, coming in and playing with, you know, LeBron, you know, the, one of the best players of all time. You know, that's just hard. And then, you know, once that kind of faltered, you know, then going all the way West Coast um, and playing with the Lakers and, you know, had the confusion with Lonzo Ball and, I, and you know, the differences between the two and who's going to start and um, who's going to be on the bench. It was. I just think that after the Celtics, you know, traded him, he just didn't go to a good situation for him. Yeah, I trading Isaiah Thomas from Boston to the Cavs was a surprise move of the offseason. You know, Danny Ainge disrespected, I think, Isaiah Thomas. Isaiah Thomas oh, earned, obviously worked out, though. I, it worked out, but Isaiah Thomas earned his time in Boston. He was averaging 29 points it's last year. It's a business, but just the disrespect that he showed. You know, Isaiah Thomas gave a lot to Boston, and I think that was really tough to move away from him so, so quickly. And, you know, obviously next, he, he will be a free agent after this year. Not a lot of teams are going to be looking at him, you know. Last year, he would have been a top free agent, but, you know, when he got traded to the Cavs, he fell really quickly. He was an all-star last year. He got traded to the Cavs, and I think something that hurt him a lot was he tried to come in and be the leader of the Cavs, but he didn't realize it was LeBron's team. You know, he was used to being leading the Celtics last year. Then he went to the Cavs, and he wasn't used to having another top dog in the room and LeBron just would not give him the space to be a leader and it just kind of fell that he fell really far his hip's been a problem he's got another hip issue he was out you know beginning of the year now he's out towards the end of the year and I don't think a lot of teams are going to be wanting a guy a point guard who uses his speed who has a hip problem you know hips are scary there one GM said you know hip Injuries in basketball are equivalent to like Achilles injuries in all sports. It's 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 really hard to come back from. But I think if he gets a place where he can go, maybe a team that's kind of rebuilding, somebody that wants a score, somebody that will just let him lead and just let him get as many shots as he wants, he could flourish again. But it's sad to see a guy from MB fall from an MVP candidate to pretty much nothing. Yeah, but I think Isaiah Thomas could go somewhere, and um, I think what he's going to make his name as now is a sixth man. Um, I don't think he's going to be able to start somewhere anymore. Um, just with this hip injury and the setbacks that he's had, I think he can actually go somewhere and flourish as a sixth man. Um, you know, it's potentially, you know, I saw a tweet or something, probably probably something stupid. He would, something like where he would go back to Boston. Um, that would be cool, and I think he would sit behind Kyrie and be the sixth man on Boston. Um, I don't. He won't go back to Boston though. He, he said he tweeted, um, "All possibilities are open." 
I, just, I think you look at you said you said that Danny Ainge disrespected him. That's not fair at all. Danny Ainge got his team a much better. Danny Ainge got Kyrie Irving, one of the best point guards in the league, and he replaced you know Isaiah Thomas. He saw that hip injury and he said, "All right, well, I'm gonna go get Kyrie Irving for it." I don't think he disrespected him at all. Well, I think a player like Isaiah Thomas's caliber last year to just call me—he didn't even warn him that this was a possibility. It's just kind of out of the blue. I, Isaiah Thomas. This is a, it's a business. Isaiah, I realize that, but Isaiah the Thomas got better. Isaiah Thomas gave him his all. That he he played in a playoff game and a, a couple days after his sister was killed, you know he gave him everything he had and to just be left out of the blue like that and then one day you say okay well you're being shipped off to Cleveland, is very tough. You know he he went from being a leader, uh, MVP candidate to somebody who had to play backup role to LeBron, which as we've seen doesn't work very well. And I just think if he gets the system, he could be, you know, get back to that form that he was. But hopefully he will, and we'll see what happens as the offseason goes. So a couple more injury news. You know, Kevin Durant, got he's back, and Mar- Markel Fultz is back. With Kevin Durant, this is obviously going to help. He's probably, I think, better, best player on the planet right now. You think he's better than LeBron? I think last year in the finals we saw that's, we saw no, last year in the finals horrible. we saw Kevin Durant I think kind of take that torch from LeBron. That's that's not true. This um, is obviously going this is going <laughs> this is going to help the Warriors. You know, they need that uh all-star firepower they're losing with Steph. This is easily going to get them past I think the first round even though anything can happen in the West and this is going to help them kind of steer the ship in the right direction until Curry gets back. Yeah, Kevin Durant is a superstar. I I don't think he's better than LeBron, but he's definitely a you know a top three player in the world. Um, he's just so talented, and he just makes the Warriors so better. Cause you look at you look at Kevin Durant, he's a superstar, and he has he's playing with a bunch of stars around him, and the attention's not all always on him. You know, and it's it's interesting to see how good they are with Kevin Durant and how the pressure's not always on him anymore and you know you look you know now they have the room where I think they can let Steph Curry rest a little bit uh because now Kevin Durant adds it to where I think you know they can easily get past the first round so I, I, this is big for the Warriors and um if he can stay healthy and stay at his superstar level I, I think this makes them you know uh a threat in the West obviously again another player coming back is Markel Fultz uh, first round pick first pick last year first overall pick he came back into that 76ers lineup first night. He had 10 points, 8 assists. You know, he last night he bumped heads with Embiid. Embiid went to the hospital, but I think he'll be okay. He had facial contusions. I think he didn't have a concussion. So we'll keep watching that storyline. His shot is still not there, though. I don't know how he could be a first-round pick, and his shot's still not there. He shot, his first game back, he shot 5 of 13. He had 10 points. He, he does... Where he misses in his shooting ability, he makes up for though in assists and defense. But last night he had, he went one for five. He had three points. You know, I, he, they played in uh, Madison Square Garden with the Knicks, and he hit a free throw, and team in the whole arena just erupted because his shot is just so weird. It's it's so strange to watch a player who went number one overall have such a weird shot. But he did throw in seven assists. But like I said, what he misses in shots and what. You know, his downfall in scoring is his defense really helps him out. He, when the Knicks, when he was in last night, the Knicks just shot 8 for 26, and they had four turnovers. So he's obviously a very good perimeter defender, and I think he's really going to help this Philadelphia team. Yeah, I think eventually he will. I think next season he will. Um, but this season, 
the 76ers are the 76ers, and I think right now it's going to be hard for him to kind of make his name in that lineup and in that rotation, um, just because they have they they're just they're just very good right now. I think they're on a seven game win streak, eight game eight game win streak. Um, but only one of those teams have are in playoff contention. That was the Timberwolves. But they're still on fire. Um, and you know they're I, what what seed are they right now? They're fifth fourth, fourth, and they're pushing for the thir- three seed. Yeah, so the 76ers they're they're gonna make they're gonna make some noise, and I I just don't think they need Markel Fultz right now. Um, and I just think it's gonna be hard for him. I think right now the focus for him is just to get healthy, get his shot back. I I don't think it's for him a big deal for the 76ers for him to make such a big impact right now. So what do you, they should just shut him down? No, I think they should play. Let him get his minutes. Let him get his 10, 15 minutes here or there. But they shouldn't try to make him a big part of their rotation or lineup right now. I just think he adds a lot in defense. But we'll watch that. We'll keep we'll keep uh, watching that. And just a reminder that our show is brought to you by A's Lawn Service. Since 2014, A's has been providing professional landscaping services to many homes around Northeast Ohio. By using professional equipment, A's constantly strives to provide families with professional landscaping at a low and fair price. Are you tired of being dragged around by bigger landscaping companies, Brian? I am. I am <laughs> well, just turn to A's and trust me, your lawn and your home will never look better. Trust me, trust A's for all your landscaping needs and trust me, you will not be disappointed. The phone number is 330-241-2392. Again, 330-241-2392. And the email is lawnservices.a's at gmail.com. At gmail.com. A's Lawn Service. You grow it, we cut it. So let's get into some football talk. Uh... NFL came out with some new rules the other day. The owners voted, I mean, the coaches voted on it at their annual coaches retreat. Some of the rules that were implemented was a 15-yard penalty now for lower head tackles. If you lower your head to tackle, you're going to get a 15-yard penalty. They obviously made the catch rule. They kind of fixed that, which was a big subject of discussion last year. You use no more to survive the ground rule. You have to have two feet, and you have to make a football move and control the ball to be a catch. What do you guys think on those new rules? We'll send it to Brian. Well, first I want to start with the tackle rule. I feel like, I don't know, I think in this in this new era of football, it is so, difficult. penalties are, yeah, it is so difficult for the defense. It Like between the new pass interference rules where it's like a spot foul practically, and then now this, like I feel like you, you have to give the defense something, like, it's so difficult now for players. And you're going to get players cannot you know, lower their heads. So you're going to get a lot more, I think, knee injuries and lower body injuries, which are just killer, killer for players in the NFL. I just think it's so annoying because these players have been taught how to hit and how to tackle their entire lives. And now they're just asking them to change that and move that around. And I understand it's, it's for... You know, the the stuff that's going on with concussions and stuff. But I just think they, they just need to kind of make their mind up on what they want. Um, and I don't think they can change it that much. And uh, it's it, it's a tough rule for everyone to, you know, kind of get grip, grip of. Yeah, what do you guys think of the catch rule? I think that's perfect. Yeah. Because, yeah. honestly, it has been the most annoying it's thing so about football in the past three years. Every time there's and, a catch, it's disputed. It's so... I, I'm, a, I'm a Packers fan, so obviously the, they always bring it back to the old... Oh, the Des Bryant catch, no catch. Um, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it. You know, you leave Aaron Rodgers with four minutes left on the clock, you're going to get bad things. But, you know, the, I think 
you know, that's just been such a, an annoying debate for years. And then it was brought back because the Jesse James thing against the Patriots this year. And then and then you saw it in the Super Bowl. Zach Ertz yeah. in the Super Bowl. You know, it's just like, it's almost like these refs, they just have to kind of coin flip it and see, see okay, no catch or a catch. I think, you know, the rule last year, you could look at almost any catch and there was an argument for a debate if he didn't catch it or not. It's so nitpicky and I think this helps you know two feet you have to get two feet you have to control the ball and you have to make a football move I think that's going to help the league um, in that area so one that is I think is going to be voted on here soon oh another rule that was added what there's they're no longer doing a uh, extra point kick at the end of regulation like with uh, Minnesota and the Saints yeah, that's game good. Yeah, that's that's fine. Fine. you don't have to make players run out of the locker room after they lose a heartbreaker to kick an extra point which is basically nothing um another rule that they're thinking about talking about they haven't really discussed it i know packers uh president mark murphy discussed it the other day where they want to get rid of the kickoffs and just make it an automatic touchback at the 25 what do you guys think about that brian uh, yeah i you can go first all right uh well i i mean football there's three there's three phases of the game in football there's offense there's defense and there's special teams and I think special teams is a very important part of the game. I mean, it can totally change the game, especially on kickoffs, because mm-hmm. obviously because of kickoff returns. And also, I mean, there's plenty of guys like Devin. I'm I'm a Bears fan, obviously. I love Devin Hester. He's the greatest returner of all time. Mm-hmm. And I mean, he made his living off of returning kicks. And it's so yeah difficult to just get that, rid of. A... You know that 2000 when they went to the Super Bowl and lost to Peyton Manning. Wait, did they they lost? Yeah, they're a bunch of uh, chokers. Oh wow! Um, wow. You know, but the one of the, the it was so cool. You know, that's the first Super Bowl I remember. That's the last Super Bowl I remember. Like the first one I ever like even remember. But like, just that first play, that first kickoff, him returning it in the rain. I thought that was cool. It's an image in football lore. It's history. Um, and I don't I don't understand why you would get rid of it. Yeah, I you got guys. Brian mentioned it. I know one story like Terrell Davis. He wasn't even going to be he wasn't even going to make the roster and then he made a big play in special teams and that caught the coaches kind of looking at him there's been player after player who's made like an impact in this league who have made the made teams just because their special teams play and i think getting rid of that phase of that game is going to you're going to lose a lot of players are going to fall through the cracks who might could who could make a serious impact in this league so we're going to watch that obviously the touchback rule we're going to Keep watching that. Next next big headline in the NFL is Odell. The Giants, you know, they reported on it last show. They want to get rid of Odell. Odell's not going to play um, in 2018 unless he has a contract extension. And now it's coming out that they want two first-round picks for Odell. Do you think Odell is worth two first-round picks, Troy? No, I don't think he's worth two first-round picks. Um, I think he's an impact player. I think he's worth a first-round pick. Um, and I think he'll go to any franchise and make them instantly better, make their receiving core instantly better. But two first-round picks is steep. That's that's taking a franchise back, a, a two years of young talent from the first round. I think that's tough. And you know, Odell, you know, I'm not gonna say he has injury problems because he just had last year uh, who was injured. But you know, there is a type of risk for Odell. Um, and you know, he's gonna want the, all the money in the world. And you know, you're gonna have to cough up a big contract contract for him. But you know, if you if you get one first round pick for him, I understand that. You know, he's a good player, he's a great player. But two first round picks is very steep, and I think a lot of people don't realize how big of a loss two first round picks are. Yeah, I I think there's no way that there's no team that's going to give up two first round picks for Odell. I, he's not even. I mean, 
maybe if it was the best quarterback in the NFL, maybe you could give up two first round picks. But I don't even. Yeah. I, the only position I could ever see spending you two got, first round picks on is you'd be a spending basically position. a first round pick on a wide receiver who's coming off a season ending injury, coming off you know he had that terrible game versus Green Bay in the playoffs with the whole boat scandal. He's coming off an off season where he was there's videos of him you know snorting having cocaine in a bed with a girl. You know that's what you're trading for right there. And he's gonna want a boatload of money after this season, or he wants it now. He wants a contract extension, so I don't think he's worth it. And I think there's going to be teams probably that will pay that, though, I think. Yeah, I, well, I think you said one first-round pick. Yeah, I, I, I would give up a first-round pick for Odell. But you're talking two years without a first-round pick. Two years without that young influence of talent coming into your ta- into your team because of a big contract for a receiver who is just, he's a drama queen. Um, he's had issues, you know, he had an issue with injury last year. Great player, but I don't think you can, I don't think you can um, give up two first-round picks for him. So now that we're on the topic of wide receivers, let's move to some of our wide receiver sleepers in the draft. As always, we'll let the guests go first. Brian, you're up. All right. So, I mean, obviously this draft is not very deep in wide receivers to begin with. I don't. I personally don't even think that – I mean, I think Calvin Ridley and, like, Cortland Sutton might, Sutton might be good, but I'm not feeling too great about that. And they're not even going to go until later in the first round. Not sure things, I don't yeah, think. Yeah, exactly. So – this, like I said, this draft is not very deep in talent. But uh, I went with DJ Moore, and he is a wide receiver. He's a slot wide receiver out of Maryland. He's six foot tall. He is two hundred ten pounds. He ran a four four two at the combine, along with a thirty nine and a half inch vert, and he had eleven foot broad jump, which are all like top five numbers in the wide receiver position. So he's a he's a pretty talented guy. He wasn't he didn't do anything crazy at Maryland, but. I mean, if he can hone his route running, he could definitely be be a good add to any team. German? Yeah, I, I mean, that's another one I liked. Um, you know, you look at Maryland, they just kind of didn't, they don't have quarterback play. Um, but that kind of goes into my next guy, the guy I like, uh, another DJ, uh, DJ Chark. Um, I think that's how you say yeah. that. Out of LSU. Um, he's another guy. LSU doesn't have the greatest... Um, quarterback play in the past few years. Um, it's kind of been their issue and kind of what's set LSU back a little bit. Um, you look at his 40, he ran a 4-3. Um, you know, he's 6-3, he's about 200 pounds. He's got good size for, you know, probably a slot receiver in the NFL. Um, but a cool thing that I found was he only had 40 catches last year, um, but he had 874 yards. If you do the math on that, that's 22 yards per catch. Um, that's kind of crazy. Uh, if you look, he's probably going to be drafted in the uh, second or third round. I, w- I would use a second round pick on him, definitely. Um, you know, he's got he's got size. Um, I think he's going to be a slot receiver. Um, they said, you know, he's not got the strength um, yet. You know, he's, they said that he can easily be pressed um, at the line by these bigger uh, corners and these more physical corners. But um, I like him. He's a good value pick, I think, in the second or third round. For me, my guy is Anthony Miller out of Memphis. He is... I watched a couple games last year on Memphis before Ohio State knew they would be on. And every time you'd watch Memphis's offense, th- their offense ran through Anthony Miller. He's a 5'11 wide receiver. Um, he has the size of a slot, but I think he could play outside. That's just because of the way he plays. You know, he has that speed. He was in 2011 in his high school, he won the state championship in the 110 meter hurdle. He's got that. that confidence about him or he demands the ball he's going to get a lot of catches and I think any team that adds him is going to be very happy with what they get at you know later rounds 
So we're going to move on to some baseball talk, but before that, obviously our show is still brought to you by D's Home Cuts. D's is the best place around Northeast Ohio for a great haircut at a low price. For only $7, yes, $7, D's Home Cuts will provide you with a modern haircut with styling. Truman and I I have been getting our haircuts at D's for the last couple months, and we have never looked or felt better. Every time you go into the shop, you can tell you're going to get a professional cut. The cuts get better every time because he's always upgrading their equipment. While you're sitting there waiting for his haircut, you can play some Fortnite or just talk about sports, music, anything. You can find Dee's on Twitter or Instagram at Dom's Home Cuts. You DM him for an appointment and trust me, you will not be disappointed. Dee's Home Cuts, professional haircuts at a low price. So, the, one of the best days of all of the whole entire year is opening day. Yeah. We got the, we got the game on right now. We got the Cubs and uh, Marlins, 6-4 Miami. And O'Brien's watching it. He's in his Cubs gear right now. Yep. And Javier Baez, his helmet just fell off after one of his ridiculous swings. So, that was, that was good. <laughs> We're all wearing our team's gear. Truman's wearing Brewers. Brian's wearing Cubs. And I'm wearing Indians. This is one of the best days of the year. A couple games did get postponed, sadly. You know, the Tigers and Pirates and the Nationals and Reds got postponed because we are having some pretty crappy weather up here in Northeast Ohio and around this area. But this is one of the best days of the year. Baseball's back. It's, you know, you can feel summer and spring kind of coming up around the corner. So with that, we wanted, you know, we gave our bowl predictions a couple shows ago. We wanted Brian to give his bowl prediction. He's a big baseball guy. All right, where to begin? So... I I personally am not very high on the Yankees this year. I Aaron Judge just had shoulder surgery in the offseason and he was actually questionable to even start this season as like in the starting lineup. So and I really just don't think his I, I think he's gonna have a sophomore slump. I think he's gonna pretty much turn into like a rich man's Chris Davis, plays for the A's. Yeah. I don't know. He did Chris Davis pretty much just hits home runs and strikes out, and that's that's about it. And Aaron Judge's contact rates are some of the worst in major league baseball like and i just don't think he's gonna be able to sustain especially his batting average he batted Mm -hmm. like 283 last year it's definitely gonna have to fall down to like 260 250 with his poor contact rate and then i also think that like keep going up with the yankees i think john carlo there's a very high chance that he might get injured this year. I, I mean, before last year, the one thing that really held him back was was injuries, and I, I think that John Carlo will get injured this year. Aaron Judge will have a slump, but I, I, I don't I think, think that pitching is that great either. I, I I, they got a, they got a couple starters, but I don't think like Sabathia is going to be anything. Luis Severino, the, I mean you. Yeah. I, Cece Sabathia is a very serviceable fifth man, though. Like, yeah. I mean, if, I, if you have Cece Sabathia as your fifth man, you've got a good fifth man. Exactly. Yeah. Because they're not they're not using him as you know their ace or something like that. He's a very he's a he's very good at this point in his career as a fifth guy. Yeah. I like Severino. I don't think Tanaka's as good as everybody thinks. He's yeah. very up and down. And I just think Sabathio age is gonna catch up to him, and he's just gonna, you know, kind of fall back. It's the ageless wonder, I think. I like <laughs> Sabathia. <laughs> yeah, he's he's played on the Indians and the Brewers, but I just think I don't really like him anymore. And you know, he hurt the Indians in the playoffs <laughs> last year. I don't think he's gonna be as good as he was last year in the playoffs. How about the Yankees bullpen though? I mean, they they got like the best. Bullpen yeah, that's in true. That that's gonna help them out a lot. That's probably that's. Uh, but I I personally like the Yankees. I know you both said that you think they're gonna not be as good as everyone says they are. But I think you look. They just have a strength in their bullpen. They have their lineup if healthy and if Aaron Judge can you know 
I don't think we all agree. I don't think he can do what he did last. What he did last year. But you know, if he can be a good player, and you know, Stanton, I think that lineup's going to be good. Bullpen's good. I think they got pretty Just good starting teams pitching. that come in with this much hype and this much like yeah. they always seem all, to fall. Always there's fall. no way they're going to be able to match it. It's so like every year in all sports, it's always the same thing. I think the Warriors are really the only team who has really ever come in with such a high and really delivered. I mean, going off of that, like. The Astros, to me, look just phenomenal on paper. But, I mean, we even saw with the Cubs last year. Like, I I mean, I know I'm a homer, World but, like, Series the hangover. Cubs looked really, really good on paper last going last year. But, I mean, the real or the World Series hangover is real. Like, it's it affects everyone. Yeah. And I think that the Astros, despite the fact that they have so much talent, are just not going to be able to make it back to the World Series this year. So... You had an interesting point before the show. You wanted to talk about Noah Syndergaard and how his you don't think he's going to be as good as people think. This is pretty bold, but I think this year is a make-or-break year for Noah Syndergaard, and we will finally see whether or not he is... He's like, pitching today. He is the ace for the Mets. Yes, and I think we will finally see whether or not he is like part of the highest tier of pitchers. But I, I personally do not think that he will ever be a true... like first-tier pitcher, along with, like, Max Scherzer and Clayton Kershaw and Steven Strasburg, those kinds Kluber. of guys. Kluber. Kluber. Corey, yeah, Corey Kluber. Um, and I I think this is because part of Noah Syndergaard's issue is, is he throws so hard is that many players, many batters, are if they can just swing their bat through the zone, they can make enough, con- like, no- enough hard contact to get a ball through a hole. And because of that, Noah Syndergaard's career BABIP, which is bad balls in play, which normally measures players' luck, is very high. And it had, throughout his whole career, it's been very high. And many people think that it's very high because of the fact that he gives up so much hard contact because he throws so hard. So I think I think this will continue, and he'll not, like this will always hold him back from being able to be a first-tier pitcher. Yeah, that's something to watch as the season unfolds. Uh, one of the things that's going on in the past couple weeks is we saw a viral clip that kind of exploded on Twitter was Mookie Betts. He was mic'd up in the field. They were talking to him. The announcers were talking to him. And it was just such a cool thing to see. And we just want to you know, a couple ideas. I think that's going to make baseball so much more fun is miking up players in the field. Obviously, you're not going to mic up guys in the bottom of the ninth and have them talk to the announcers while things are going on. But I think if you mic up players in like the some of the day games in July or August where it's like the dog days and they're just bored, they just you know, they're they want to just kinda get this day over with and they're tired and they're they just there's really no energy inside the ballpark because it's one o'clock on a Wednesday afternoon in July. I think it would be so cool to mic up guys. You know, baseball players if they marketed, I think they could easily market baseball players a lot better, make them kind of big stars like the NFL has and the NBA. And I think they, there's a lot of ideas out there that could make baseball a lot more fun. Yeah, I I honestly think though baseball is one of those things that you know I know you're gonna touch on this when we get to you. Like it's one of those things you're either gonna you're either gonna love baseball like we all love it, or it's just not your thing. And I don't think it's one of those things you can change. Um, but obviously that you touched on the whole mic'd up thing, that'd be fun. Um, you know, they do the football thing, you know, they make up players for football and stuff like that. And that's really cool to watch. And that Mookie Betts thing was hilarious. I, I got a really, I, I laughed at that. That was funny. And, um, 
a lot more people would, you know, follow that just because it's, it's, you know, stars and professional athletes, you know, you're hearing what they're saying and what they're doing during the game. It's just kind of a cool thing to, cool thing to watch. So I think that would be cool, but I think baseball ideas to make baseball more fun. I, you know, I love baseball how it is. I know Brian does. I know Travis does, you know, and I know a lot of people do. Um, I just don't think it's one thing that you can change much. Yeah. I see. I, I agree with you guys about like making up players. I think that kind of stuff is cool, but I really am like against changing, changing the game. And I even have a quote from Chris Archer. He says, quote, I love the game of baseball the way it is. I think a three-hour baseball game is normal. Baseball is about strategy. If you want checkers, go play checkers. If people don't have the attention span for it, that's on them, end quote. And I just really think that, I, I really agree with Chris Archer. Like, baseball is a beautiful game, and I love the fact that it's like, I mean, there's parts where it's like monotonous, and it's it can be kind of boring, but like, I, I think there's nothing better than watching like two pitchers go head to head and it's zero zero going in the ninth. It's like I, I think that's awesome. I, it's one of those things where like casual fans I don't think are gonna get into it. You either love it or you just you don't care about it. Yeah, you have to have like a appreciation for the game, I think, to really Because just watching it, like you just watch it and it's boring, yeah. But then you really look at it, if you really go in depth, there's so much strategy. Exactly. So much so much going on in such a to the plain eye, just like kind of just a boring game. But if you really look into it, it's really exciting. So that's a little bit, that's the end of baseball. Opening day is coming up. We're going to get into a lot more baseball as the season goes. We just got a couple of questions and answers sent to us by fans. One of them is, should, should the Seahawks and the Giants just commit to rebuilding already? You know, they're both teams are kind of mediocre. There's not much going on there. They've been on the decline the last couple years, should they just commit to rebuilding? Um, I think they should. Um, you know, Brian, again, he's, he's got some good points. He's going to come up with something about the Seahawks and, you know, the franchise quarterback thing with the with Russell Wilson and stuff like that. But I think you look at the Giants, Eli Manning's aging, and I think now they have the second pick. They had a horrible season this year. I think committing to rebuilding is picking a quarterback at that second pick. You pick your future, you sit it behind your franchise quarterback and Eli Manning, and you use that second pick as, um, you know, kind of the start of something new, whether it's Rosen or maybe maybe Darnold or Baker Mayfield or something like that. Um, or you trade down and get someone like Allen or, or Mayfield there. But I just think, and then, you know, you talk about trading Odell. You know, if you're really going to trade Odell for a first round or two first round picks, you're trading your best, most talented player for draft picks. That's rebuilding. Um, One of the things I saw was like MLB teams and NBA teams, like they they all admit it. Like, okay, yeah, we're we're gonna lose for the next couple of years so we can get better. But NFL teams just seem like they refuse to just say, okay, we're rebuilding. We're gonna break it down. Yeah, yeah. and but I think I think they're kind of if they did trade someone like Odell, which you know all the rumors kind of point to, they're trying. Um, you know, they're breaking down, they're breaking it down. They're trading their best, most talented player, um, for draft picks. And I think that's the start. Um, you know, and I think also picking a quarterback with, uh, you know, a top 10 pick, that's kind of showing that, okay, this guy's my future now, you know, there's not much future in Eli Manning. Um, but then when you go to the Seahawks, I think, you know, that's interesting because, you know, you're getting into Russell Wilson's prime years, you know, you're going to start getting into the years where Russell Wilson's going to be his best. Um, and you have no real offensive line. You have... Not that many targets. You know, Doug Baldwin's good, you know, but they got rid of Graham and stuff like that. You don't really have a run game. Um, you kind of broke down your defense. You got rid of Richard Sherman, um, you know, and you don't really, you got rid of Sheldon Richardson and Michael Bennett. Um, you know, you just got rid of those players that, you know, have been 
took the Seahawks to the Super Bowl and stuff like that. Uh, and I just, I just think at this point, you know, rebuild, you know, spend the next two, three years acquiring talent to build around Russell Wilson, and then you're going to enter Russell Wilson's prime years um, in his late twenties and early thirties uh, with young, good young talent. See, I so I think one of the obviously one of the biggest issues facing the Seahawks is that, or at least the past couple of years, has been the fact that their offensive line has been awful. Mm-hmm. So, and part of that is because they've had no money really to spend on their offensive line because they want to keep they want to keep like the Legion of Boom or they wanted to keep the Legion of Boom together and everything on their defense together and also to go along with Russell Wilson. So I think one of the new things we're really going to be seeing a lot of lately in the NFL is teams are going to opt to go to a young, a, a, like a rookie quarterback on a, like a rookie deal, such as I think we just saw with uh, Patrick Mahomes. I think one of the big reason that, reasons the Chiefs got rid of Alex Smith was because uh, with Patrick Mahomes, with him starting and Alex Smith out of the picture, they could have this young like very young quarterback making almost no money and then they can use the leftover money to upgrade the rest of their roster to mm-hmm. with players that they would never have been able to have with Alex Smith. And you brought up the Rams earlier too. Like yeah, the, Jared Goff, you know, he's making, you know, that that rookie, you know, that where you're basically making nothing. Um well nothing to us, but yeah. I mean you know <laughs> you know what I mean. Um but then they were able to acquire, you know, Tlaib, Peters, Nadamakin Sue, and all these exactly. players. Yeah, they're not going to keep these guys together for four or five years. It's going to yeah, be because soon they're going to have to pay golf. Exactly, and got a small window, but yeah. So we'll keep watch on that. Another question, guys: What do, what do I do now that March Madness is pretty much over? Well, it's not over yet. You got the weekend. You got probably the most exciting time of March Madness, which is the Final Four. But I think, you know, baseball's starting up. you got to start watching baseball. Opening day is a pretty big deal. But, I mean, not much you can do other than another question we got is, what, what are some of our favorite TV shows? You could always watch TV. So I'll let the guests start there with Brian. But uh, this, is, this is a tough one. You know, I, if I had to pick one, I, lately I've been watching this show on HBO. It's called The Wire, and it takes place in Baltimore. And uh, it's like, it is a crime show I would, I would describe it as yeah. and it has it was very popular in the early 2000s a lot of people have called it the best tv show ever I'd recommend that and then also westworld i don't know if anyone watches westworld other than me but um <laughs> season two is coming out i think on like april 22nd and i would strongly recommend going back and watching the first season of westworld uh for me favorite tv shows now i'm not a big tv show guy i'm gonna be honest with you um, I really, you know, and I, I say this because, you know, I, I talk sports for this and, you know, I, uh, everyone just hears me talk sports. I really just watch uh, NFL Network and SportsCenter and stuff like that. But I do, um, I do like some classics. Um, I, I like Shameless on Netflix. I got into that. Travis got me into that last year. Um, uh, you know, I think season eight's supposed to come out on Netflix sometime here soon. Um, you know, yeah, we don't, we don't pay for Showtime, so. Yeah, we don't pay for Showtime. Um, but like, really, 
That's about it. Uh, but if like you know, Full House is on or something like that, I'll I'll, I'll watch that. And Friends, something like that. I'm a classic TV show guy. Yeah, for me, I I I just have three when I thought of this, which was I think everybody's favorite is The Office. I love The Office. Yeah, that's like on office Netflix. I've never seen The Office. Oh wow! Wow! wow. <laughs> that's a you Chicago need to get fan. you need to get Netflix and watch it. Another show that's on Netflix I really love is Breaking Bad. Breaking Bad's Breaking been Bad's yeah, that, that's a great show, and I would love to. Uh, yeah, I love that show, and you guys should watch it. My probably my last show though is I love Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Any of you guys have ever seen that? I've seen like a couple. It's, I've heard good. It's really funny. About it. So we'll move on. We keep sending in those questions and answers. Let's move on to our inter- little interview with Brian here. So tell us about your sports experience, your background in sports. All right. So uh, I come from a vi- like a heavily sports related fam. Right. I mean, sports are very prevalent in my family. Between my, I have an older brother. And my dad, and my dad instilled in both me and my brother a love of Chicago football, Chicago Bears football, especially because my my dad is not a big fan of like anything other than football. So, I mean, every Sunday we're always watching the Bears. It's like a family. That's like one of my favorite things. Mm-hmm. And uh, then my brother really got me into the Cubs when. Just like a few years ago, I would say like right before they like 2014, right before they became uh, like pretty, pretty good and went to playoffs in 2015. And then, I mean, I, I played baseball since I was like five. I played football since like fifth grade. I, I even yeah, played Brian, basketball. Yeah, Brian, Brian played bit. football with us on the high school football team. Yeah. So, and um, so obviously, like you said, his favorite sports teams, are you pleased with the Bears off season so far? How they've, yeah, I mean, See, one of the things I love about, like, the Cubs right now is the Cubs have the best front office in baseball, and, like, you can trust huh. them. <laughs> I mean, the, no, seriously, like, Theo Epstein and Jed Hoyer, they're amazing. And then even, like, Joe Madden is one of the best managers, too. And that's, that's it's, like, nice to have faith in what they're doing because normally they're right. But the Bears, I mean, the Bears, I don't know. Like, their yeah. trust, like, is not necessarily as like like I'm not as sure that the Bears are gonna be always right on their moves. You like Nagy? I I like Matt I, I like Matt Nagy, but I don't know I I just don't know. It's all gonna play out on Trubisky, I think. Yeah, I, it comes down to Trubisky, but like you said, you're not sure. Um, you know the Bears, they they've had a bunch of dumbasses there in the past that have kind of screwed their franchise <laughs> over for a while. Like Tressman. Like Mark Tressman. You know, Fox wasn't the best for that for that situation either. Um, so, I think that's kind of interesting because you know you can you can say, oh yeah, I like the moves, but you never really know. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Allen Robinson could be really good, or he could be mm. just awful like he could be (laughs) like injured and just never like be able to separate from anyone or i don't know so but i don't know i think the draft should be really interesting see what the bears do with the eighth overall pick i heard a lot they're gonna get that guard quentin Quentin nelson Nelson. i really want quentin nelson yeah people say he's the most sure pick in the draft so um so like he said he's a bears fan we're packer fans this is that's probably i think the best one of the best rivalries in all sports best rivalry in nfl football um, you know, I'll let Truman speak on this a little bit, but, um, yeah, I mean, so it, I think overall, um, you know, it's the, it's the oldest one, um, in football, definitely uh, oldest rivalry. Um, you know, I think it's right now it's pretty much split, uh, see the, uh, series. I think the Packers might have one game advantage, maybe two. Um, but that's kind of cool. You know, you see, um, 
how close it is and how many games they've uh, you know split. They kind of owned us in the '80s when they had that defense there and Dicko was there. But you know, the past few since we got Favre and now Rodgers, we've just kind of owned Chicago. And you know, like I said, they've had a bunch of dumbasses there for a while now. Um, and it goes it's, back to when we beat them in the NFC Championship game, one of my favorite games of all times. You know, it's just it's right now. We 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 won that rivalry. Can I tell you guys one of my favorite games from what? recent memory? What? I still oh, this will be good. Let me see. I, I think it was I think it was Thanksgiving, and I'm pretty sure they were honoring Brett Favre at Lambeau Field. Yeah. And the Bears were pretty bad, but they still managed to beat the Packers. That was one of my favorite. You know, yeah. My favorite was when Aaron Rodgers came out and threw like six, seven touchdown passes in the first half. The first half we were up forty-two nothing at halftime. Yeah. Which which game? Uh, that was, was 2014. Yeah. 2014. That was okay. A game. Keep in oh, mind, we had a great. All right, year we could go on <laughs> this. We could go on forever. Show's kind of wrapping up here. Uh, you're obviously a Cubs fan. What is your expectations for the season? Oh, the Cubs are going to win World Series this year, no oh. doubt. Uh actually, I shouldn't say that. I, I I I think that the Nationals are definitely the Cubs' stiffest competition right now. I mean. I don't think a lot of people, uh, not the Brewers, not the Brewers, Truman. I, I think they are, but we'll talk about I mean, the Cubs just have, like, limitless potential between their rotation. The fact that, like, Tyler Chatwood is their fifth starter mm-hmm. is unbelievable. Jose Quintana is their fourth, and he would be, like, number one on many, many Major League <laughs> Baseball teams. And then you go to their lineup, and it's the same way. Like, they can just be... Uh, they have so much potential between. I mean, they could they could set a record for how many guys could hit twenty plus homers on their team. Like, I mean, you got Schwarber slimmed down. Schwarber lost like I think like thirty or forty pounds. Yeah. He hit and, a home run today. We're watching it right now. Yeah, yeah. And I, I don't know. I just I really like the Cubs this year. They definitely I think could could pull it off again. Something so. I wanted to ask you, Brian. Obviously, they won the twenty sixteen World Series versus my Indians. Do you ever feel bad? That you took away the World Series. I mean, I'm, from the Indians. I'm not gonna lie. Like, I mean, Rajay Davis hitting that home run was probably one of the greatest moments. Probably top five. It would be number one if we won that World Series. Oh yeah. Well, I, I mean, the Cubs winning the World Series is one of my. It's definitely my favorite, favorite sports memory. But I'm. I do kind of feel feel bad for the city of Cleveland. But at the same time, I mean, the Cavs have been good lately. They've won, but like, like I was they, okay. If that was flipped, let's just say it was. Flipped. But no, no, it, yeah, and, it, and that was in the Bre- no, and okay, it was flipped. Yeah, you you would be a little heartbroken and stuff like that. But it is Brewers in the Cubs position. This for me, I could give a shit less about no, Cleveland in this city. Obviously, you <laughs> took Barajay Davis's home run was one of the greatest moments in World Series history. Yeah, I remember being very upset, and it's just got it's just like you, it's awesome still, but it's just bittersweet watching it. And I just ugh, can't stand the Cubs now because of that. I see that's your I, own issue, though. I personally, I mean, I know this is kind of kind of awful, but I root for the Indians. Like they're they're like my AL team practically. Yeah. I love watching Corey Kluber. It's hurt so bad. I don't think you realize how bad. I'm sure I I do feel kind of bad, but like at the I same time, they haven't won. Like the Cubs were like the laughing stock stock of baseball for years. I don't know. It's like, just, it's it. You guys were used to it now. Uh, uh, we're gonna move on. That was obviously a deep pain in my life. Uh, what's your who's your favorite athlete of all time? Well, uh, I kind of want to go somewhere different with this. Actually, I'm gonna go with right now. One of my favorite favorite athletes is Joey Votto. 
I think everyone needs to just take a look at Joey Votto and just soak in his greatness. Last year, he had 7.5 war at the age of 33. He played in all 162 games. Wow, that's crazy. He had an on-base percentage of 454, an OPS of 1.032. He batted 320 and walked 134 times. I think he only struck out, like, I think about 30-something times. And in this day and age, where home runs are so prevalent and strike out, like, you either home run or you strike out. I think that Joey Votto is really, really fun to watch because he's he's the exact opposite. He has great plate discipline. He can hit for power. He had 36 home runs last year. He has a great glove. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I, I mean it's okay. He had a one yeah, good oh, yeah. glove in his Yeah, he's a good, yeah. But just take a look at Joey Votto sometime. And the Reds are awful. Like, yeah, let's, think, let's yeah he just it. gets the, overshadowed by the ex- Reds. Exactly. Yeah. He's, oh, he's so good. What's your favorite sports memory of all time? Well, I would have to go with Cubs. The Cubs winning the World Series. I that was definitely the <sighs> All right. Well, now we'll move on. <laughs> that's that's going to wrap up the rest of our show. We want to thank you to our sponsors, D's Home Cuts and A's Lawn Service. Go on iTunes, give us five stars, review, review us and subscribe. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at TNT Sports Talk 12. We want to thank you to our guest Brian. Thank you for coming in today. It was great to be here. Uh, we're going to have another guest Tuesday. We have Nate Meyer. He's a pretty big Kansas oh. Jayhawks fan. Oh. So we're going to get his reaction from this. He'll either be extremely happy or down in the dumps. So it'll be interesting to see how this goes. Tune in. Watch the watch the games this weekend. They're going to be pretty good. And um, We just want to thank you guys and have a great day and tune in on thir- Tuesday. Thank you. Go Packers.